Welcome to Raising Joyful and Resilient Black Children podcast, where we bridge conversations from parenting to child well-being and social justice and provide resources and tools for parents connected to research that matters to us and our community. Welcome back to another episode of Raising Joyful and Resilient Black Children. You may notice that you're hearing a different voice. I'm the podcast producer, Jacqueline Duget, and I'm so excited to be filling in today for Dr. Valerie and Dr. Sharita while they are planning and working on great new episodes. But today I'm sharing with you a special episode that was recorded on August 27th at the Frederick County Public Library. I had the esteemed honor to talk with author Sierra Birch about her new book, Finch House. Throughout the podcast, we want to highlight Black literary creatives because books can serve as powerful tools in raising children by highlighting diverse stories, promoting reading, and sparking joy, curiosity, inspiration, and imagination. And Sierra's book, Finch House, does all that and more. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And just remember, Dr. Valerie and Dr. Shreda will be back soon for more great conversations. So let's get into our conversation with Sierra Birch. I hope you enjoy. So good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I'll introduce myself. I'm Jackie Duget. I am the interviewer for our esteemed guest, Sierra Birch, today. And thank you for coming out to listen about her amazing new book. I can't rate it highly enough. So before we get started, I just want to let you know that we are filming, but for the most part, the filming will just be for Sierra and myself and not the audience. But if by chance someone gets caught in the filming, Ideally, we're gonna not film faces, right? Just maybe backs of heads, if you're okay with that. So I wanna introduce Sierra, give a little background about her bio. So Sierra Birch is a lifelong writer and ice cream aficionado. Have to talk more about that. (laughs) She has a BA from American University and an MFA, a Master's of Fine Arts from Emerson College. Her fiction has appeared in the American Literacy Magazine, Underground, the Art and Literary Journal of Georgia State University, Stork and Blackbird, Her work was also chosen as the 2019 One City, One Story Read from the Boston Book Festival. While she is originally from New Jersey, she currently resides in Washington, D.C. with her stuffed animals, plants, and far too many books. And you can learn more about Sierra at sierrabirch.com. All right, so we already have something in common. So I grew up in Washington, D.C. and then moved to New Jersey um, for college, post-grad work, graduate school, and so I think you've done the reverse. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> to the reverse. I like it in D.C., though. Yeah, D.C. is very nice. One day I'll get back. I mean, I visit, but okay, yeah. not too far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So to kick things off, if you can tell us a little bit more about yourself, what inspired you to become a writer, and especially for young writers, and also share your favorite ice cream. Ice creams, oh. I should say. <laughs> okay. I'll start with about myself, I guess. We already heard my bio. There's not much more to it than that. I got into writing just through reading. I've always been a big reader. I'm an only child with my mom, but the oldest kid with my dad. And so I spent a lot of time reading in the backs of cars or trying to avoid arguments with my siblings by reading in my room. It was always just very fun to imagine things in a different way that TV is. Because TV, you know, you get to see everything. And it shows you exactly what's happening. But with books, you get to imagine everything. And anyone can look how you like. And sometimes if a certain character doesn't look like you in your imagination, they can. Or things can be a lot less scary in your imagination, too. 
And then my favorite ice creams. Oh, that's a hard one. I think that's probably the hardest question I'm going to get all day. <laughs> Mint chocolate chip is my favorite. I also really like cookie dough, basically any Ben and Jerry's flavor. And a good vanilla is really good. Yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes it's hard to get vanilla right. Yeah, a good like yeah. vanilla bean when it has like the flex of bean. I think that's perfect. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I like those other combos Thanks. as well. I'm also a chocolate fan. So yeah, chocolate. That's good. Of course. All right. So the next question. So I'm going to try not to give any spoilers from the book so you all get to enjoy the book without giving away any information because I'm tended to do that. <laughs> I'm giving away stuff, so I don't want to do that today. But I did want to pull, you know, throughout our conversation, I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the quotes from the book, some passages from the book that I thought were, one, inspirational, but also were kind of, I think, like breadcrumbs for mm. the book. And I wanted to start on page five. So there's a conversation between Pop Pop, who's the main character, Micah, Micah's yeah, Mike. um, grandfather. And on page five, he says, change makes growth. And so I wanted to find out from you about how this reflects on the journey that Micah goes through and impacts the story. For sure. So I think all good books have character change and character growth. Um, I think that's important because characters should be and should feel realistic. And all people go through change and through growth. None of us make it out of life without growing, which is good. And I think with Micah, there's a lot of different factors that contribute to her growth, you know, the decisions that she makes first and foremost to go into Finch House to other things that I don't want to spoil. <laughs> but yeah, I think she, in a sense, has to change either in her mindset or in her actions to achieve her goals. And her goal is to find her grandfather. And so she can't just act like she might normally do or act like she might have in the beginning of the book. By the end, she has to make some tough choices and some difficult decisions. And I think the process of moving along in this house that is very much a character in the story itself changes her just by the process of movement and in the people that she meets and the things that she experiences. She can't be the same person that she was standing on the outside of Fitch House. The more I reflect back on the book, there's a lot more things that I'm like, okay, there's like, you can mine a lot of information. I was also thinking about the choice to make this book set or make the character middle grade. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And some of the parallels between being a young person and the growth that you have to go through. Yeah. yeah, I think middle grade is such a special and important age because I think the ages of about like uh, seven to 12-ish, you go through a lot of changes just in life, in your in school, in your grades, in your own body. And I think it can be so much at once that it can feel very overwhelming, like maybe too much is changing or you might not be the same person that you were to begin with. And you're not going to be, and I think that's okay. And I think I partially wrote this book because personally change can feel a lot for me, especially, you know, going through COVID. There was a lot of change, and I wrote this book in the middle of that. And it's just very much, you know, change can seem bad just because it's something that's happening and it isn't always in your control. But most of the time it's not. It's just a new part of life that you haven't experienced yet. And I think that's important that I want to capture in the book. So I think you did a great job with that. Thank you. All right, so I wanted to move on to some of the themes that are talked about in the book. So you cover, you know, some themes that I think 
even for adults are kind of heavy, right? But the way that you do them, like, so in some ways the book, you know, talks about families, segregation, income disparity, Mm -hmm. generational trauma. And I wanted to find out from you, how did you approach incorporating Mm -hmm. those themes in a way that was still accessible to both young people as well as parents and adults? Yeah, I think that was one of the challenges that I had in writing. This is my first middle grade book I usually write for teenagers and adults. And I think it was just, I approached it in that kids are people. They're younger than we are, but they're still people and they have a mind and they're capable of understanding a lot more than we give them credit for most of the time. And I also, thankfully, have some younger sisters, a six-year-old sister and an 11-year-old sister. And I was sort of able to talk to them and sort of pick their brains a little bit. Just about, you know, things that they were learning in school and then broaching some topics that I wanted to discuss in Finch House and seeing how they sort of responded to it. Thankfully, my dad let me do that. (laughs) And I think it's just, you know, you don't have to spell everything out. You know, you don't have to get really deep into certain topics, especially depending on age. But I think even a mention of them is important in an explanation in a way that doesn't talk down to your readers, no matter how old they are, is really important. And there are a lot of different ways that you can go about doing things and that I tried to do in Finch House. So in terms of like segregation, it's Finch House is in a certain area where in a certain time period, not everyone was allowed to live there. And so I simply said that. And if more is warranted, then you can look that up on your own or eventually you might get to that topic in school or you can ask your parents. But I didn't want to like gloss over things, you know? Um, it was important that I at least mention them as much as I felt it warranted and the comfort level that I hope um, works for everyone. So it sounds like even your approach to writing and you as an individual, what I'm getting from you is the sense of respecting your audience. Yes. Yeah. I, I didn't like, first, when I was a kid and growing up and reading books, I didn't like books that talked down to me or acted like I was younger than I was or even just didn't respect me as a person despite my age. And I really, and I knew that going into writing books for kids, I didn't want to do that. It feels very disrespectful and like you're insulting someone's intelligence, you know? And I think all people are smart, <laughs> no matter their age. And so I wanted to treat them like that and assume that they could handle heavier topics and, or that if they couldn't, they would ask an adult or do some research. Yeah, because I think for me, what I always encourage is parents, you know, ideally even reading the book together, maybe having like a family mm-hmm. book club together, right? So if your child's reading a book, you also read the book and maybe that also opens up conversations. But at least you know, and I even have family members like their mom would read the book before mm-hmm. and then share it with their children. Yeah, I think it could be a fun way to discuss books and to even bring out themes or things that you didn't know existed or hadn't thought too much about. It's fun to like read books with other people, I think. Yeah, I think so. And I think another piece too, like, you know, this other theme too is, you know, we talk about growth, but we also talk about in the book, I think, overcoming fear. Mm -hmm. And there's another quote or another scene on page 73. Make sure that I mark them. I mark them in here too, but I have too many post-it notes. All right, so there's a passage in the book on page 73, and I don't think it's given too much away. I was wondering if you could read it for us. Yeah, you want me to just read this yeah. bit right here? Okay. It's okay to be scared, but you've got a whole well of courage in your belly. You get too scared, you know what you do? Just take a deep old breath and drop a bucket full of that courage. What if it runs out? Micah had asked. 
She asked it now, too, in a whisper. It won't. It's yours for whenever you need it. Oh, I love that. Like, I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it because I'm thinking about the fact, again, like we talk about like sometimes what might be hard themes, right? But it's the reality, right? Mm -hmm. There are times when you're going to face things that you're afraid of. And for me as a parent, like, oh, I would have loved to have this, you know, to tell my kids, right? But I love that she's able to draw on the love and the words from her mom. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about that and maybe the mindset. You may not remember like everything, you know, at the same you know, the day, hour that you wrote right. this, but knowing that you wanted to show how Micah faces her fear, mm-hmm. but also has that connection with family. Yeah. So family is really important to me personally. And it's usually a big centerpiece in my novels and in my work, just because I'm very close to my family personally, because they're great. Um, and it was important that, so Micah is alone in this section of the house, essentially, or she thinks that she's alone. She doesn't, of course, have any family around, and she doesn't have her new friend Theo around either. But it was important to me that she still maintained some family connection and that that was something that grounded her while she is in this scary place. Because for me, and it's not for everyone, it can be friends or other loved ones, but my family's sort of like a backbone for me and like a very good touchstone when I might feel untethered a little bit. And I think it's the same for Micah. And so remembering these words from her grandmother, who's no longer around, was really important. Not only in this moment where she needs the reminder that, you know, that you're essentially like stronger and braver and everything else than you think you are, but also that her grandmother is there with her, not physically, but in her mind and in her memory and in her heart. And that is what keeps her moving forward in this house as it starts to get a little bit scary. All right. And thank you for reminding me. I refer, I refer, <laughs> refer to it as her mother. But yes, you know, remembering all the characters and the presence that, that her grandmother does have, mm-hmm. have with her. So, again, we talked about how the themes are woven. I think you've done like a great job of weaving those themes into the book. And I was wondering, I think you shared a little bit how your personal influence writing. Mm-hmm. I guess for me, like, just want to kind of change the question a little bit from my original question. I guess how as a writer, individual as a writer, how do you parse through what's personal to weave in or braid in the magical and adventures in a story? Right. That's a good question. I don't know that you always can entirely separate the personal. I'm a person and I'm writing it and I sometimes a book can take a long time, sometimes it takes a short time. And, you know, I go through things over my own life as I'm writing. Sometimes they influence the writing and sometimes they don't, but they're always going to be some of my personal emotions in it as I'm writing. And I think that the personal can affect the magical because the magical comes from the personal, if that makes sense. So, you know, there can be magic in anything. There could be magic in like just a casual conversation that you have with a person And I think I like the idea of the overlap, that what is personal and what is magical are very much entwined. And I try to do that in the story where they're very much entwined. So this house, there's a lot of personal aspects to it for Micah, but there's also the magical and the slightly scary. And in real life, I think that those can be things that overlap quite often. You know, even if you go, I don't know, to like a haunted hayride with your family, that can seem sort of magical, but you're doing it personally and you're with people that you care about. So I think you've talked a little bit about, Micah does go through an adventure in the book that 
does take her places that can be scary for her. Mm-hmm. So when you first thought of this book or conceived the book, had you thought about it being a haunted house story? I mean, like, how did that come to mind? I had a lot of different influences. I read a book called White is for Witching by Helen Oyeyemi. And that's an adult book. But I was fascinated with the way in which she played with a family in a house and just the ways in which they were connected. And, you know, I watched some TV shows. And there's also this kind of very scary movie for kids called Monster House. Very scary. (laughs) And that house, like, literally, like, eats people. Um, and I was, I was like kind of scared when I watched it. I'd seen it a long time ago as a kid and I watched it recently. And I was like, okay, I like the idea of this house as something that can like move around and like be present and like be its own character. Not entirely sure about the actual eating people part. Um, and I've also always been fascinated with Victorian houses. I didn't grow up in one or even near one, but in a few neighborhoods near mine, it was just a ton and ton of Victorian houses. So every time we passed them, I always wondered, like, what was inside or how big they are or, like, when we passed in the fall at night. Like, that's definitely haunted. It's super creepy. Um, And so there were just a ton of influences. And so I knew I wanted to write about a space because I grew up in apartments my whole life. And so anything with an attic or a basement, I was like, that's cool. (laughs) And so I wanted to just write about the mystery of a house. I didn't necessarily want it to be haunted, and then it turned into its own thing. It took on its own life. I was like, okay, uh, I guess I'll do this. Because <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, that's, that even concept of, like, that term haunted, right? So mm-hmm. you can go from this idea of thinking, okay, are there ghosts in there? Right. But even, to me, like, this idea of haunting is, like, even, like, memories. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because a person can be haunted by their own memories, mm-hmm. and um, a house can be haunted by memories, too. And I think... Because, you know, sometimes a lot of generations of a family live in a house or a house is just was built a long time ago. And you think of all the different generations or all the different families and people that live there. Like, surely they left their mark on this place in some way. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's the thing. Like, so like you said, the house is a character mm-hmm. in the story. And it just got me thinking, you know, we're talking about, you know, you're growing up and seeing Victorian homes and being interested in the attics and basements, you know. I'm just thinking, like, when I was growing up, I lived in D.C., but we lived in a row house. Mm -hmm. So we did have a basement. But there were times, I remember very little, you know, I got to the point where sometimes it was scary to go into the dark basement. Yeah. But then there were times where, like, okay, when I got old enough, you know, writing crayons on the walls (laughs) that my parents didn't like me to do. But Yeah, and my grandparents live in a row house, and they do have a basement. And this book was partially inspired by how creepy that basement Mm -hmm. is. They have this very bright yellow kitchen. And then there's just a door that's endlessly dark. And I'm still a little bit afraid of that basement to this day. I've been down there plenty of times. Still kind of creepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unless you have to do laundry or something. Yeah, the laundry is down there, yes. (laughs) So, all right. So, again, I'm going to go back to a quote from the book. So, on page 161, Micah wants to understand the things that scare her, right? And this is sort of thought-provoking, right? So, One of my questions was, how does Micah's desire for understanding contribute to the eeriness yet intriguing atmosphere of the house? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, Micah has a lot of different reasons for going in this house, first and foremost being looking for her grandfather. But there is also a big through line of curiosity for her. You know, she she wants to find her papa, but she also just wants to know what's inside. She's passed this house a million times on her bike, and now it's all fixed up. 
and she has the opportunity to go inside, so why not go inside? And I think part of her wanting to know is just sort of along the lines of like, you know, knowledge is power. And if you know how something works or what's inside of it, it might be less scary. And sometimes that isn't true. Sometimes things might be a little more scary if you know how they work. But for Micah, she very much thinks if she knows exactly what's gone into something or if she knows exactly who's living somewhere or if she knows everything as much as she can about this house, then maybe it won't seem so scary because she'll know. And now that she knows, she can't get scared. You know, it's like if your sibling's waiting for you around the corner trying to spook you and you know that they're right there, it's not going to be as scary. But if you didn't know that, it's just a lot scarier because you're not expecting it. And I think just the knowing for her is a step towards being less afraid. So there's a part in the book where Micah meets her new friend, Theo. Mm-hmm. And so again, as a writer, like the choices about who shows up mm-hmm. in a story. So can you talk to us a little bit about like that process of who are going to be the main players or maybe who may have started out in the book and then you whittle it down to, yeah, to sure. the people that are in the book? So, you know, I think part of being a writer that I don't know how many people tell you is that you don't really have that much control, or at least not for me. The characters are very much in control of the whole situation. They're driving a car and I'm just kind of sitting there. Um, I mean, I have to do all the legwork, but... And so with all of these characters, I think they all just appeared in my head instantly and I knew where to slot them in at because that's where they show themselves to me at. And it's a pretty small cast of characters as far as books go. And so I think with Theo, I knew I wanted someone, part of things to live in the house, someone around Micah's age and to experience things that she, of course, couldn't because she wasn't at the house the entire time. And I also wanted Micah to have a friend. She's just going on winter break. She's about to move. So she's moving away from all her friends at the current school that she's at. And, you know, she hasn't moved yet, so she hasn't made any new friends. And I think finding this new person in this house that she's always been interested in that's sort of brand new because of renovation was a way to ground her because Theo is very different from Micah and he's much more cautious than she is. And I think she needed that sort of cautious wait a minute, be careful, voice. That was a kid like her, not an adult. Someone telling her, like, no, don't do this. In terms of, like, Pop-Up and Micah's mom, they're, like, her core family. And so I knew that I always wanted them to be there. But in terms of another character that I guess I won't mention, they were always very entwined in the house, in my mind. And so them becoming an actual character was a bit of a surprise, a fun surprise, that I ended up really liking. Awesome, awesome. Because yeah, I, like, I always find that fascinating, like in reading a book and thinking about, you know, if I even had the talent to write something like this, right? Would I have done anything differently? But even in thinking about doing it differently, it's even thinking about how it even started, right? It's even, like yeah. you said, to ground the book, which I think is cool. Thanks. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Finch House, the actual character yeah. in the book. Mm-hmm. So was there a particular inspiration for where the house was set? how it would look, the Mm -hmm. rooms, the feel of the house. I think the inspiration was sort of all of the Victorian houses that I had seen passing. The neighborhood was called Paddenfield. It's somewhere in New Jersey. And there's just very big houses. And there are also just these Victorian houses that always fascinated me. And I've never gone into an actual Victorian house. So I had to do (laughs) a lot of imagining and a lot of Googling and just figuring out what I wanted the inside of this house First, I had to figure out what I wanted the inside of the house to look like originally. 
then I had to figure out what I wanted it to look like once it was renovated. And they're two, I guess you could say, pretty separate entities in my mind of this house. If anyone's ever seen a home renovation show, you, you know that the houses can change a lot. And I wanted the renovation to sort of feel like a loss in a sense. My guys never experienced the inside of this original house, but she did see the outside and all of the cool, strange storytelling ideas of this house just could hold by virtue of being old and kind of creepy. And so seeing it brand new, it loses something, at least to me, when everything is very like whitewashed and all white appliances and everything. I think I watched a lot of HGTV while writing and I was like, I hate this. <laughs> but I know I've lost what you asked me in the first place. <laughs> so I think for me, it's just this idea of, like you said, because the house comes to life, right? Mm -hmm. And you reference it as a character in the story, the idea of how, you know, again, these pieces, because yes. right now in my mind, I imagine like a dollhouse, mm -hmm. right? And not that I really had a dollhouse, but what I'm seeing on TV, like I know Barbie's a big thing now, right? This idea of like each of those spaces, right? Mm -hmm. You can just do different things in there, right? Even yes. if you're using your imagination to do different things. So again, just kind of thinking about and creating the house mm -hmm. in your mind, like how did that come up? Like thinking about like what would happen there mm -hmm. and to really make it, having that movement throughout the story. Right. So I did sort of approach it a little bit like a dollhouse, one of those like open-faced ones mm -hmm. where you can just like see everything all at once. I also play a lot of Sims, the video game, which is just like a, <laughs> a simulation game. Mm -hmm. I've played that since I was very little. <laughs> and so I think I was very thinking of it as like, when you get a new house in Sims and you're kind of decorating the whole place. And so while I was going through it, like what should, you know, the basement look like or what does this turret room look like? I tried to imagine Micah in those places and how she would respond to them. And depending on what was happening there with another character or just with the house in general, what her responses might be and what I could do to alter those responses through the house. So if I felt, oh, this room wouldn't be that scary to Micah. Well, how about I make some more shadows in the room or a little bit more whispers, you know. I'm not trying to purposely scare my girl, but, <laughs> you know, just a little bit. Well, I think as I read the book and I mentioned before we started talking, I was reading in my basement, right, you know, making sure... And then as I got towards the middle of the book, mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my God. Because, <laughs> you know, just some of the action. But it was it wasn't like gory, scary, anything. But it was just kind of like, whoa, I'm not going to go into anybody's house. And I don't know anymore, right? So, For so, the best. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. I think that's, that's probably one of these lessons learned about, about this house. But I think it ends well. It ends well. Yeah. So I wanted to go back to this idea of the magical elements. And there's also mystery. Like, there's like, it's like layers, right? It's yeah. like depth. And I was wondering, like, how do you think stories like yours can help children expand their imaginations and maybe even develop empathy for characters facing challenges? Yeah, I think, especially for stories like mine, I don't give you a whole lot. You know, I give you this house and I give you some whispers and I give you the dark. And I think that your imagination sort of fills in the rest, depending on what personally scares you. I'm a little bit afraid of the dark because the dark is kind of scary. So <laughs> while I was writing in my own house, I like would just be sitting there with my laptop with all the lights off in my apartment and trying to think about what things, you know, I started thinking was in the corners or what that little noise was and just really trying to incorporate that into the book. And I think 
the less that you have in some sense, the more that your imagination will fill in. Because everyone has imagination and you all consume media in all different ways, whether it's TV shows or YouTube or video games, you know, and that affects everyone in different ways and how they process things or just the things that they enjoy and what they imagine. And I think books are really good, all books in general, for making you think about things you might not have thought of before, you know, before I started, you know, watching more fantasy things. I didn't really think about dragons, but now sometimes I do, you know. <laughs> it's just that you're able to think up more things when you have more there in your brain that you've taken in, I think. And, you know, the more that you read and the more that you can consume other media, I think the better your imagination gets just by virtue of having experienced so many things through characters, you're able to think up more than you might not have if you didn't. And I think that ties into empathy too, where it's just this character in this book is facing this massive thing. And you're not, you're sitting, you know, in your bed or on your couch. But if you're into the book enough, or if it's written in a way enough that you can imagine yourself as that character, or not even as them, just, you know, standing alongside them. It's like, okay, wow, I got to face this dragon or this haunted house. And even if they act in a way that you might not act, you know, maybe if someone cries and you might not have cried about it, you can understand why they're crying because you're on this journey with them or you've experienced it through their eyes. And I think that's really important in all types of stories with all types of characters. It helps you see beyond yourself and beyond your bubble and the things that you've experienced or know people that experienced. Because I think, and again, I think, again, we talked about a lot of different themes that come up in the book. And the more, again, more I think about it and remember the book, to me, I think empathy is like a really strong theme just in terms of how Micah sees herself, mm -hmm. understands her grandfather's choices and even her mom's choices, right, in the, throughout the story. So I thought that was great. Thank you. Yeah, I think empathy is important in that Micah's no longer, and that's part of the growth that she goes through, right? And she's no longer just thinking of things in her own, I want to go into this house because it's fascinating and I want to know what it's about. She meets people and learns things, and she starts to understand, okay, she gets why her pop-up maybe didn't want to come to this house anymore, and she gets why Theo, who has lived here and experiencing that she hasn't, is more afraid than she is. Yeah, and I think empathy is a big part of Micah's growth. Awesome, awesome. So, again, I was trying not to... I'm trying to talk around themes, talk around characters so that I don't give anything away, so that when you all get to read the book, you get to experience all the adventure that Micah goes through. So thank you so much for You're talking welcome. with me today. So I wanted to open it up if anyone in the audience has any questions for, yes, for Miss Sierra. Okay. Hi. Do you type your computer on, do you type the stories or do you write it by hand? I usually type it. I type it on my laptop. Sometimes I will type it on my iPad, like I have a little connection. Sometimes I type it on my phone. But if I'm not near a computer and I really have something that I want to write down, I carry a notebook in my bag and I always have a pen so that I can just jot things down. But my handwriting is not the best. So sometimes it's hard to read and typing is a little bit better. But thank you for your question. Uh, yeah. Um, when you write, mm -hmm. um, when you That's a good question. Um, I get my ideas through all sorts of things. Sometimes it's just I get an idea for a character from someone that I've seen on the street. If they had like cool clothes or a cool haircut or something about them, just drew me to them. 
I get my ideas just from some of the things that I watch or that I read. Sometimes my friends are just having a completely separate conversation and I'll hear something and I'm like, oh, I need to write that down because that would be a cool story idea. I just get my ideas from anywhere. And sometimes I think I'm going to run out of them. But I think just living life, it gives you a lot of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. What made you want to become an author? Oh, so I read this book a long, long, long time ago. And it was called Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry by Mildred D. Taylor. And it was set like in the 40s in the South. And I grew up in New Jersey, of course, and not in the 1940s. But it was the first time that I'd seen a character and her family who looked like me and who interacted the way that my family interacted. And I realized that for all the books that I read, I did not read enough of that or experience enough of that. And so I wanted to write my own stories to add to that. And because some things that I wanted to read about, just they didn't have books for, or all the books that they had, you know, were for adults or something. I was like, okay, well, I want to try this out. And I've always been a lot better at writing than talking. And so I just, when I had a little idea, I would just write it down. And then it grew from there. Do your stories just come out perfectly the first time when you sit down, or do you sometimes struggle Oh, have to come back to writing? Oh, yeah, I struggle all the time. I was struggling earlier today in the car <laughs> when I was, I was not driving. Um, yeah, it's writing, like a lot of other things or anything really, can be really, really hard. And I would love if the ideas just sort of, you know, flowed out of my brain and into the computer, into the pen, but they really don't. You have to work at it like anything else. Which sounds, you know, it might sound a little bit boring or it's like, oh, it should just be fun. It can be fun when you get it down and you get things how you want them to be. And even trying to get there can be fun. But it's not easy, I would say. But I like the challenge of it. And I think if it was easier, it might be a little less fun, actually. Because I like the challenge of, okay, I want to evoke this image and I'm messing it up. So maybe I'll just come to it tomorrow or when I've had some sleep, or when I've had some food. And trying it and trying it again until I can get it to where I want to be is fun. Because I grow, and I think I become a better writer that way because I have to do it so many times. Yeah. Yeah. What is the process like for you shifting between writing for different age groups, like adult, young mm-hmm. adult, and, you know, middle grade? Um, when you get ideas, do you generally know what category they're going to fall into? And mm-hmm. you have a hard time being like, oh, I'm writing this for this audience, and now I'm, you know, in a completely different space for this other audience. Yeah, I think I'm a big character-based writer, so I'm lucky in that sense and that the characters usually come to me and they're within a certain age range. So I know, okay, if this is a character that wants to be, you know, the star of the show, then this is sort of the age range that I have to be in. And it's been a lot of fun trying to find my different voices in different age ranges, and also in different novels too, of course, because you have different characters and different ideas, so everything is going to be different, but hopefully still recognizable as my writing. And I think I'm very much influenced by the characters. So If I have a character like Micah, who's 11, and she's in my head, and she's saying things how she wants things to go, like, okay, this is the mindset that I'm in, and this is the middle grade voice that I need to cultivate. And it's very noticeably different in my mind than, say, a 17-year-old character or a 27-year-old character, because I am in the mind of that character pretty in-depth. 
and in their surroundings, if that makes sense. So it's been, so far I haven't had any issues, <laughs> thankfully, in switching between, although I have been writing a YA and a middle grade this summer at the same time. And so switching back and forth between them and trying to remember the voice for each one can be a little harder, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, like in my whole life or? Oh, in whole life. I think you'd have to ask my mom that question. Um, probably a lot. Definitely none that, you know, are like published like this. But I have had so many notebooks growing up that my mom still has at our house that are just full of stories. Sometimes my class notebooks were full of stories. Oh, man, maybe like a hundred. I don't know. But how many did you publish? How many did I publish? That's easier. So I have this one, and I have three more coming out next year. And then I think I have one coming out the year after that. So, like, five. But they're not all out yet. But they're under contract. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Will you continue on with the themes that you kind of focus on? I think so. I think I would like to challenge myself to get out of them, too, because I do write a lot about family and ghosts and familiar relationships. And I think those are always going to be central and core to most of my writing. But I would like to branch out a little bit more so that I don't feel that I have to write those themes, you know. But for the meantime, I'm really enjoying them. <laughs> so probably for a little while longer. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of habits do you build as a writer? Mm -hmm. like, like to write or stories, what kinds of things can you do to help bring that story to life? Yeah, for sure. I think having adults in my life who listen to me when I like ramble about a character or a story, I think that was really helpful. My mom likes to roll her eyes a lot and say that she never paid that much attention, but she really did. And, you know, I could be telling her a story one day and then the next she might ask me about something about it or character or something. And that was always really important to me that even if I hadn't been thinking about it or even remembered it, it was something that my mom or the rest of my family remembered and thought about and that they didn't dismiss it in any way. It was just like, oh, like, you need to not be writing that. You need to focus on your homework instead. Yeah, I got the, you need to focus on your homework, but it's also after you focus on your homework, maybe you could <laughs> focus on the writing. And I think too, just having that time alone to organize my thoughts and ideas. At my mom's house, I had my own room. At my dad's, I usually shared a room. So even if it's something as small as like, you know, just taking my notebook, I didn't have a laptop back then, and, you know, sitting at the dining room table or on the couch or something and just having that, not even quiet space because it wasn't very quiet, but just that time to do something that I wanted to do, which was writing and also just developing a good reading schedule too, because I find that if I'm not reading enough, I usually can't write as much as I want to or get to the level of writing that I want to because I haven't really filled up my creative well in a while. And so that's always important to me when I feel like I have writer's block. I'm like, okay, I need to put this laptop down and open up an actual book. And that's always been really helpful. And yeah, I think those are the most of the things that I would say. Just try it out. It doesn't have to be, you can write a different sentence of a different story every day. You know, you don't have to stick to the same one if it's not interesting to you anymore. Yeah, and share it with your friends because my friends were also really helpful if my writing in middle school, I had this notebook that I wrote in and at lunchtime they would pass it back and forth and like leave little comments about the parts that they liked. And that's something that's always stuck with me and was really helpful to my writing journey, I guess, just having people 
that believed in me or thought that something that I did was interesting. Yeah. Anyone else? Oh, yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, you've written a lot of stories over your life and mm -hmm. past publishing that can, I'm sure, feel hard. Like, what has kept you persevering throughout and, like, how have you kind of faced some of the um, struggles that can, can bring? Yeah, I think it's because my goal, as much as I always, you know, wanted to be a published author and to be an author, that was a goal, but it wasn't my main focus for writing. I think if I could never publish another book again, I would always be writing, and that I can't really function without writing. You know, if I go too long without trying to tell a story, everything in my brain gets all jumbled and I need to write it out um, some way or, or tell a story orally. And I think, you know, there's going to be a lot of struggles like anything else. But if you're writing first and foremost for yourself because you want to tell a story and because it's a story that's important to you to be told, I think that's the best thing to hold in mind because, you know, your audience is going to change um, and eventually, you know, you guys are going to grow up. And if I'm still writing middle grade stories, you might not want to read them anymore because you're adults. And that's fine. Or you might still want to. But if you write for your audience or some writers I know write like for the market, I feel like that's when you can definitely lose enjoyment and things can feel a lot harder because now it might not be a story that you're as invested in or care as much about. And I think if you care about your story and your characters, even if stuff is really hard and you don't have as much time to write as you would like, you're still going to keep pushing forward because it's important to you. All right. Uh, yeah. What do you do when you feel frustrated when you're writing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes I'll call my mom and I'm like, Mom, why isn't this working? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> um, sometimes I do that. Sometimes I'll go and eat some ice cream and that's helpful. Sometimes I like to go for a walk just to get out of the house because I do work from home. So I'm in the house all the time. And that can just sort of jumpstart things because I try not to focus on the book. I try to focus on, you know, nature, what's around me, the people that I'm seeing, the stores that I'm passing. And if I get a little bit of a break from all of my thoughts on that book or that story, it's nice to come back to. I mentioned like reading. Again, that's always really helpful because I can get out of my head and out of my story and into someone else's. And sometimes that will really spark an idea. I also am a big D&D &D fan, Dungeons and Dragons. So I'll play with my group. And that's like a collaborative storytelling thing. So sometimes my storytelling itch will come back while I'm doing that. So yeah, there's all tons of things. But I think getting ice cream is probably my favorite one. <laughs> Any other questions at all? Okay. Yes. Oh, my favorite color. It used to be blue, which is nice because this book is blue. But lately it's green. Like a deep green. That's been really fun. Yeah. Thank you for that question. That's a fun. One. <laughs> I think a lot of your questions got me thinking as well. And I loved all your questions. Next time I'm going to poll you all for <laughs> questions for the author. They were awesome. And so I want to thank you again, Sierra, for joining us. I was so excited to meet you. Like I'm oh, a fan you. too. <laughs> so it was great to talk with you. You too. And thank you for having me. And thank you all for coming. It was yes. great. And thank you, Frederick County Public Library. Yes, thank awesome. you. And, and Curacy Guam. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.